Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Today we're going to be teaching a lesson called Who Will Be Saved? And this lesson was inspired by a conversation that my wife told me about. She had a conversation with some uh, guys that basically observed her appearance and observed some church going folks around them and they said the statement, well we're all going to the same place and this is a, a common misconception that is alive and well in many churches today and I want to combat that false doctrine today and teach from the word of the Lord. Now um, I'm not here to shove anything down your throat but I do want to read to you what the Word of God has to say. And I want to show you that not everybody is going to be saved. And then we're going to talk about who will be saved. I would like to take my text from the book of Luke, chapter number 18. And uh, we're going to read verse number 26. Now, before I read this scripture, let me just give you the context here. The story of the rich young ruler has just taken place. He came to Jesus and he said, What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, You know the commandments. And uh, the young man said, um, Well, I've obeyed all these from my youth. And Jesus said, You lack one thing. Go sell everything you have and go give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says he went away because uh, he had many great riches. And Jesus then made the statement that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's verse number 25 of Luke chapter 18. Now we're going to read Luke chapter 18 verse 26 and I'm going to pull the disciples question out as our text here today. It says this, and they that heard it said, who then can be saved? Reading verse 27, and he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So I want you to notice that the disciples asked this question, if it's really hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, then who can be saved? And so I want to answer that question today. And I'm going to just, first of all, eliminate the people that are going to be lost. So let's take a look at the word of the Lord and see who will be lost. First of all, let's go over to the book of Revelation. And we're going to read uh, uh, the book of Revelation here. And we're going to uh, begin reading uh, chapter number 20. And we're going to go down to verse number 11. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. And this is what it says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to to their works. Notice that. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So what was this group that was cast into the lake of fire? What were they doing? What, notice that the Bible says they were judged according to their works. Well, let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 21 and verse number uh, uh, 7. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and, adult, uh, and idolaters excuse me, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. There's a lot of things I could say here about the scripture, but I want you to notice the groups that are not going to be saved. People going to hell, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, uh, 
the murderers, the whoremongers, uh, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now I want to go over to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6. So turn with me in your Bible, if you would. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6, and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, and verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this word kingdom of God, you'll see it a lot in Scripture. Jesus referred to the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. They're, uh, they're interchangeable here. They mean the same thing. Kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here in this context, talking about uh, entering into uh, God's kingdom, which can obviously refer to heaven. And uh, we could argue about it, might encapsulate more than that, but it definitely means as much as heaven. I think we can agree on that. Be not deceived. In other words, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let, let anybody confuse you. Neither fornicators, that's people practicing sexual immorality, people... Uh, committing sexual acts outside of the context of marriage between one man and one woman, which is the biblical definition. Nor idolaters, people that worship somebody outside of God. Nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Uh, that, that is obviously talking about um, people that practice homosexuality. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Uh, I, actually, this, this could encapsulate more than just that here. Uh, Basically, if you look at the word effeminate, it means uh, unnaturally delicate, soft, or weak. And uh, so it's people that have that tendency to, to be homosexual. And then there's practices of homosexuality. So the Bible doesn't just judge the act of it. It actually judges uh, the spirit of it. Okay, and then verse number 10, nor thieves, nor covetous. So... Notice here again, the Bible's not just judging somebody that commits the act of thievery, but somebody that's covetous, that does it in their heart. And then it says, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then verse number 11 says this, and such were some of you. That's past tense, by the way, meaning they no longer practice these things. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now we'll talk more about this verse later, but I want you to notice verse 9 and 10. He gave the groups of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, don't be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of these people will be able to inherit the kingdom of God. He said, don't be deceived about that. Okay, so we have found out that people that are committing sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that probably won't surprise too many of you. It may surprise a few. But I'm going to show you something even more uh, maybe shocking and surprising is that there will be people that profess to be Christians that will not be saved. And I'm going to prove that through the word of the Lord. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and uh, we're going to read verses uh, number uh, 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus speaking, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, this will be in red letters. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Now let me stop here long enough to talk about this here for a little bit. Lord, Lord in the Greek is the word kudios, kudios, which can mean they're, they're addressing him as their Lord. Uh, Lord over their life. They're saying, you're master. You're Lord over every area of my life. 
Now here in this context, these are people that are professing that Jesus is their Lord. But watch this. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's that term again, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Remember, it's interchangeable. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not just people that profess to be Christians, but people that are Christians. People that don't just say it with their mouth, but they, they, their works profess that they're a Christian. Verse 22, watch this. Many will say to me in that day. I'm going to read that again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, kurios, kurios, have we not prophesied in thy name? Now let me stop here long enough to say, uh, these are clearly believers. They've been prophesying in the name of Jesus. And watch this, and it says, in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Uh, by the way, the Bible tells us, in fact, let's go ahead and flip over to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. Keep your thumb there in Matthew chapter 7, but let's go over to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. We're going to find out that this is a commandment from Jesus to do all of these works in Jesus' name. Uh, verse number 15 of Mark, chapter 16. We're going to read this again here in just a moment. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Watch this. So go back and compare this to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. That looks like these are signs of believers, doesn't it? But watch, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Here's the key to understanding this passage. Ye that work iniquity. That word iniquity means that practice lawlessness. So these are people that profess to be Christians. These are people that go out and they even do mighty works in the name of Jesus. They believe in him so much that they have power to cast out devils. Powers to do many wonderful works in Jesus' name. And he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or that practice lawlessness. Meaning, these are people committing sin. They're professing to be Christians, but they're sinning. Their works don't back it up. They're living a lifestyle that doesn't please the Lord. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Notice what he said, many will say to me in that day. Many will say to me in that day. Okay, now I want to give you another shocking fact. Let's go over to Matthew chapter number 7, same chapter, and we're going to read uh, verse number 13 and 14. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Notice that word straight. That means to be narrow, tight, or close. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, everybody say that word with me, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, because straight, there it is again, to be narrow, tight, or close, remember, is the gate. And narrow is the way. In some translations say difficult is the way. Which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus made it very clear here that there will be more people lost than people that are saved. Now I'm letting that kind of settle in here because I know that may be a shocker to some people listening to this. There will be more people lost than people that are saved. 
It's sad. I hate to hear that, but it's absolutely the truth. There will be more people lost than saved. Okay, I want to read kind of a parallel passage here. Let's go over to Luke chapter 13 and verse 24. Luke chapter 13 and verse 24. And let's read that uh, verse of Scripture. Luke 13 and verse 24. And uh, let's take a look at what the Scripture has to say here. Um, Luke 13 and 24. And this is what it says. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, watch this, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Watch verse number 25. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, there it is again, kurios, kurios, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Verse 26, Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He said there's going to be a lot of people that are going to seek to be saved, and they won't be saved. This is sad. Even as I speak these words, it makes me... It makes me want to weep because there's, there's many people out there that think they're saved right now that are not really saved. Jesus made this so clear. And again, I'm not shoving this down your throat, but this is what the Word of God has to say. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. He said, I'm going to read that again, verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive. Notice that word, strive. It's a struggle. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many... I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Folks, it doesn't get any clearer than that. So, now the question arises, who will be saved? Well, let's first of all uh, go and eliminate another group. Let's go to the book of John, chapter number 3. This will answer the question and it will also eliminate another group here. John, chapter number 3. Now, in context, before we read this, we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 5. Jesus is speaking to a leader of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. This is a man very educated in the Jewish law. He knew the Scriptures backward and forward. In fact, some people have said they've had to quote the first five books of the Old Testament. And um, so this is a man very educated. He knew the Scriptures. But this is what Jesus said to him. John chapter 3 and verse 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, that word means truly, truly. Pay attention. Listen closely. I say unto thee, except or unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now you probably heard the term born again. You see it on street signs. Uh, you know, people like putting up religious street signs and, and at churches, you must be born again. Uh, but so many people leave out verse number 5. They like to read verse number 3 and talk about being born again. All you got to do is believe. But I want you to notice, Jesus didn't stop there. He cannot see the kingdom of God. There it is, kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now notice his question here. This sets the context, okay? Because the word born again can also mean born from above. So it's not talking about a natural birth. And Nicodemus is trying to understand this in terms of the natural birth. But that's not what Jesus is referring to. He's referring to a spiritual birth. And he goes on to make this very clear in verse number 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, there it is again, truly, truly, 
This is very important. Listen to me, Nicodemus. I say unto thee, except or unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Marvel not that I say unto thee, that would be, Nicodemus, I'm telling you this, but watch this, this word, ye. Okay? That's actually in the plural. Ye must be born again. Everybody must be born again. Everybody must be born again. But notice what Jesus says. So he answered Nicodemus' question. When Nicodemus is trying to understand it in the natural, he tells him, no, you're, you're not thinking right, Nicodemus. Listen, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Don't you think it would behoove us to find out what being born again of the water and the Spirit really is? Well, we're going to walk throughout the Word of the Lord and we're going to begin to examine this, being born again of the water and of the Spirit, and we're going to find out what it means. Okay, so obviously uh, we need to find out, this is what Jesus said, being born again of the water and of the Spirit. We need to find out what Jesus said the water and the Spirit are. So let's flip back to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. We read this just a minute ago, but now I'm really going to focus in on a different part of this passage. Mark, chapter 16, and we're going to read verse number 15 and 16. Mark 16, 15 and 16. This is after Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He appeared to his disciples. And he's talking to his disciples here. And he said unto them, verse 15, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature. The gospel, by the way, is defined in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 where it tells us it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he said, go preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 15, watch this. Or 16, I'm sorry. He that believeth is saved. No, that's not what it says. Verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, so somebody might argue and say, well, it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but then it says, he that believeth not shall be damned. So he didn't say, he that uh, uh, does not believe and is not baptized shall, be, uh, shall not be saved. But I want you to notice something here. He said, he that believeth and is baptized. Look, if you truly believe, you're going to be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. If you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. That's the point. But he said very clearly, and it doesn't get any clearer than this, ladies and gentlemen, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So notice, you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. How are you baptized? The Greek word baptizo means to plunge, to immerse, to dip, to dunk. Look it up. Underwater. So, being baptized is going down in water. Remember, what did Jesus say in John chapter 3 and verse number 5? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So notice, you've got to be born of water. Water is baptism. And I'm going to prove that again and again in the Word of the Lord. Water is baptism. And we're also going to talk a little bit about what uh, Spirit is as well. Let's define what the Spirit is here quickly. And then we're going to begin to walk throughout the Word of the Lord to prove our point here. So, let's go back to the book of John, chapter number 3, verse number 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So we found out that the water is baptism. And again, I'm going to prove that with more verses of Scripture here. But now we're going to find out what the Spirit is. Flip over to the book of John, chapter number 7. 
And we're going to read verses 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So I want you to notice something here before we read verse 39. Jesus is saying, when you truly believe on him, as the Scripture hath said, he said, there's going to be something that happens. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What is this living water? Watch verse number 39. But this spake he of the Spirit. The Spirit. There it is. Watch. He's about to define what the Spirit is. Which they that believe on Him should receive. They that believe on Him should receive. That word should is very interesting there. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. A couple things I'm going to point out here. First of all, the birth of the Spirit is the Holy Ghost. He's speaking of the Holy Ghost very clearly here. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, should receive, future tense. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so let's stop here for just a minute and let's talk a little bit about this. So if we're going to find out about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, where are we going to read that in the Scripture? First of all, before I answer that question, I want you to flip back to an Old Testament portion of Scripture that tells us about how to, uh, how to read the Word of the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 28. Isaiah chapter number 28. And we are going to read verse number 9. Isaiah 28 verses 9. We're going to read through verse number 11. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And who shall he make to understand doctrine? So notice it's saying, who is God going to be able to teach knowledge and who will he make to understand doctrine? Watch this. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Talking about maturity here. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. So we'll come back to that a little bit later perhaps, but uh, I want to focus specifically in on verse number 10. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. So when you're approaching the word of the Lord, something you need to understand is it's not good to build a doctrine just based on one verse. Now every word of God is pure, but I can promise you that if you find something in one scripture, it's backed up somewhere else. And so, so many people want to point to John 3.16 or they want to point to Romans chapter 10 and they want to say, well, here's the plan of salvation right here. But remember, it's here a little and it's there a little. Scripture does say we must believe, but we must read the Word of God as a whole and understand its context. And so, I want to read another verse of Scripture that backs this up. Let's go over to the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now notice this. He says, if you're going to be approved to God, you've got to study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, or workman that is not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word rightly dividing means straight cutting. So when you approach the word of the Lord... Uh, you've got to take it as a whole and you've got to rightly divide it. 
That's the danger. So many people think they have Bible-based salvation, but they base their salvation experience upon one Scripture or two Scriptures, and that's it, and they haven't really examined the Word of God as a whole. But we've got to rightly divide the Word of truth. Okay? I want to read one other verse of Scripture. Let's go over to the book of 2 Peter. A few pages back here. 2 Peter. And we're going to read chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to read uh, verse number 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. It's not of its own interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Alright, one more portion of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. Okay, let's read it. All Scripture, everybody say that together, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now I want you to notice what he says here. All Scripture, every bit of it, Old Testament, New Testament, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's not any part of the Scripture that you can just take and throw away. And is profitable. Every scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So watch this. Remember, he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if you're going to be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, you've got to take all scripture as a whole. You've got to rightly cut it. You've got to rightly divide it. Okay? So let me just kind of give you some principles of biblical interpretation. First of all, you need to understand who was writing. Number two, you need to understand who he was writing to. You need to also understand the context of what he's writing. For instance, you could go and take a scripture like Judas hanged himself. And then you could flip to another scripture that says, Go and do thou likewise. Say, Oh, it's the will of God for me to go hang myself. No, absolutely not. You need to understand the context behind uh, what is being written. Study the passages around it. And so that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to talk in the Word of the Lord. We're going to begin to study and find out what being born again of the water and of the Spirit is, and we're going to watch the pattern that happened. Now, uh, the first thing is, I want to tell you something, that if you want to find out how to be saved, you need to find the place in the Scripture where people are being saved and find out how they were saved. Right? Okay. So, so many people want to go to the book of Romans to find out how to be saved. There's a problem with this, and I want to show you what the problem is. Flip with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 1. Remember, you need to understand who is writing. So, Paul wrote the book of Romans, but let's find out who Paul is writing to. Go to Romans, chapter number 1. And uh, I want to read verse number 7. Romans 1 and 7. We're going to find out who Paul's audience was in the book of Romans. Romans, chapter 1 and verse number 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, watch this, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice what he says here. I'm writing to the people that are in Rome who are called to be saints. These are people already saved. So it doesn't really make much sense to try to find the plan of salvation in Romans in the book of Romans, although it is in there and we can discuss that. In fact, I'll go back and and, and teach a little bit in Romans here a little bit later in this lesson. Okay, so maybe you'll find it in 1 Corinthians. Let's go over and look at 1 Corinthians and find out who the audience is. Again, it's Paul writing. 
And let's find out who the audience is. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And let's go to verse 2. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, church of God, to them that are sanctified, that word sanctified means to be set apart, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, people that are already saved. Okay? Obviously, 2 Corinthians would be the same. These are all written to churches. Okay? And I could take time to read a bunch of them. We could go over to Galatians. We'll do that here real quick. Uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 1 and verse number 2. Uh, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. And I could keep going throughout all of these epistles. You're not going to find the plan of salvation in the epistles because nobody's being saved in these epistles. These are people that are already saved. So where are you going to find it? Okay, first of all, you need to understand, remember, John chapter 7, verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, future tense, receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So obviously you're not going to find out about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in any of the Gospels, because it wasn't poured out until after Jesus ascended into heaven. So many people want to refer to the thief on the cross. The Holy Ghost was not yet given. Was not yet given. While Jesus was on the earth, He could simply look at people and say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. But uh, after the Holy Ghost was poured out, it was different. Okay, I'm going to prove that to you as well. Let's go over to the book of Luke, chapter number 24. And these are some of the last words of Jesus while He was on the earth. Luke chapter 24, and verse 47 through 49. And, again, if you've got a red-letter edition of, of, of the Bible, this will be in red letters, Jesus speaking. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, this is the verse I want you to notice, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, watch this, until, don't leave Jerusalem, folks, until you be endued with power from on high. That word endued uh, obviously actually means um, to be clothed. So you're going to be clothed with power from on high. Okay? More proof of this. Go over to the book of Acts now. Now the same man that wrote Luke wrote the book of Acts. So Acts picks up where Luke left off. So let's go to the book of Acts chapter number 1. And Jesus is speaking His last words on earth before He ascends into heaven. Now, how many of you know the last words of a person would be very important, especially the words of Jesus? We need to pay special attention to his, all of his words, but, but look at his last words. They're so important. Let's go to verse number 8. This is Jesus speaking before he ascends up into heaven. But ye shall receive power, future tense, shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now he's telling them you're going to be witnesses after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Because you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49, we found out that he told them to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Here he tells them you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. They had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Where did they receive it? Okay, first of all, before I talk about uh, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts chapter number 2, I want to show you who was present for this outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Okay? So let's go uh, to uh, verse number 13 of Acts chapter number 1. 
Actually, let's go back to verse 12 to get the context. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Because you're going to hear some groups try to tell you, I'm thinking of Church of Christ, uh, that will try to tell you that only the disciples received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is false. Look at this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Now watch this. It doesn't stop there. Verse 15. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together, watch this, were about an hundred and twenty. Folks, we don't have any record of any of them leaving before the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter number 2. Read it for yourself. There was at least 120 in that upper room. It says about 120, which is an estimate. So about 120 people were present. Okay, now let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And we're going to read about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Okay, remember Jesus said you must be born of water and of the Spirit. We're going to talk about both of those and we're going to try to examine this pattern in Acts when people were being saved and we're going to try to compare that, that to what Jesus said about being a, a born of water and of spirit. Verse number 1, And when the day of Pentecost, the word Pentecost means 50, 50 days after, uh, uh, it, it actually celebrates the giving of the law, 50 days after Passover. And it says, Was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All, all, notice that word all, all 120. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, who's them? All them. Uh, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Watch verse 4, very carefully. And they were all, notice that, all, all 120, filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, if it was just a spiritual gift reserved for some why did the Lord fill all of them with the Holy Ghost? All 120. Not just the disciples. Not just Mary, the mother of Jesus. All of them received the Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now for the sake of time, I'm not going to take time to read all of this here. I'm going to have to uh, move quickly from this point here out. But I want you to take time to read this in your own study because what happens is Jews from every nation under heaven come together. Now, these are Jews. Uh, they know the Greek language. They know Many of them probably know the Hebrew language, but they've been scattered. They're called the diaspora because they had been scattered uh, to all of these different countries. And so many of them grew up speaking different languages. So they're all confounded, though, when they come together because they hear these 120 speaking in languages that they say these are all Galileans, and yet they're speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They weren't speaking in Greek. They weren't speaking in Hebrew. They were speaking languages they had never learned before. That's why it was a supernatural thing. Some people started making fun. Others were saying, what, what does this mean? Peter gets up, verse 14, he begins to preach to them about Jesus, and he said, you made a terrible mistake. You crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, verse 36, he ends his sermon. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, now watch this very carefully. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
Then Peter said to them, Accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Sign a church fellowship card. Shake hands with the preacher. No, he didn't say any of those things. Watch this. Because if you go, I want, I want to challenge some people out there to go to your preacher and ask him, how is a person saved? If he does not respond like Peter responded in verse 38, realize his response is not biblical. And I'm going I'm to prove that more here in just a few moments. But watch. They asked him very clearly. They said, we realize we've crucified the Lord of glory. What shall we do? How can we alleviate ourselves of this blood guiltiness? What can we do about this? How can we be saved? This is what Peter says, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. That word repent, repent is the Greek word matineo, which means uh, it means to do an about face. It means to change your direction. What it really means is to stop sinning and turn to God. Repent and be baptized. There it is. Remember Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So notice, Peter lines up with that. Remember Jesus said you got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. So here he's covered the baptism with water here. But watch how he said to be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, not some of you, Okay, again, and I know I'm being a little bit redundant, but go to your preacher and tell him you've got somebody that you want to be baptized. When can they be baptized? If your preacher says, well, there's a certain time of the year that we baptize people, or, you know, it's not necessarily an essential thing, and if they really want to be baptized, though, as kind of a public out, uh, you know, a demonstration of their private faith, and then we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we'll gather people together and we'll be baptized. and and Because and, many times what they do is they tell you, well, we'll baptize you at a certain part of the month or a certain part of the year. But, that's, but watch what Peter said here. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hmm, interesting. So he told them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Watch this. For the remission of sins. Not because they've already been remitted. Every English translation I have ever read says for the remission of sins or for the forgiveness of sins. That Greek word there for remission means forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins. So you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'm going to prove this through more Scripture here. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, read verse 4 again. Okay, Acts 2 and 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Uh, John chapter 7, verse 39. So, Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, verse 38. If Peter was promising them a lesser experience, wouldn't that kind of be disappointing? He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When they saw the Holy Ghost poured out, ladies and gentlemen, they heard them speaking with tongues. And they said, this is incredible. What meaneth this? What meaneth this that we're hearing with our ears? That they're speaking in languages they've never learned. Well, Peter made them the promise. If you repent, you'll be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch this, verse 39. Say, well, yeah, but that was just for the apostles. That was just for the 120 that day. No, read verse 39. For the promise... Okay, stop there. Hold your finger right there. Go book back to Luke chapter number 24. What's the promise? We're going to find out. Luke 24 and verse 49. And behold, Jesus speaking, I send the promise 
of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. What Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49 was the promise of my Father. It was the Holy Ghost. Okay? Well, Peter is still talking about the Holy Ghost in verse 39. For the promise is unto you. It's not just for us. It's for you. We're going to find out there was at least 3,000, probably many more than that. And to your children, to the next generation, and to all that are far off. Isn't just talking about Gentiles and far off nations. It's talking about future generations, far off generations. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Listen to me, folks. Anybody can get the Holy Ghost. Anybody has that promise for them. Verse 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Watch verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, watch this, were baptized. Not a month from then, not, not you know three years from then. They were baptized. If they received the word of God, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm teaching here today. If they received the word of God, they were baptized. I'm going to say it again. If they gladly... Watch this. Verse 41. Let's read it again. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a lot of people getting baptized. But if they gladly received the Word, they were baptized. Wow. So this records the birth of the Jewish church. Okay? Now... I want you to read the whole book of Acts. Obviously, I don't have a time, time here today to get into the entire book of Acts. But I want you to go over to the book of Acts chapter number 8 because this records the birth of the Samaritan church. Who are the Samaritans? They're half-breeds. They're half-Jewish and they've intermarried and mingled with other nations. Jews and Samaritans hated one another. And uh, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why, but in Acts chapter 8, persecution comes against the church. The church has been growing by leaps and bounds, but right now it's still only in Jerusalem. Uh, and it's also in Judea, but it has not yet gone into Samaria. And Jesus told them, you need to go into Samaria. You read that in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And so uh, a man by the name of Philip, who was an evangelist, went and he began to preach unto them. The Bible says, verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Okay, let's skip down to verse number uh, let's skip down here to verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, watch this, they were baptized. Folks, listen to me. Again, when they believed, they were baptized. We don't have record of, the, of anybody saying, well, I believe, and when it's convenient, I'll be baptized. No, every time you read in the book of Acts that somebody believed, they were baptized, folks. And it was an immediate thing. They didn't wait a month from now. They didn't wait. You know, that tells me it's important. Okay? They were baptized, both men and women. Okay, skip down to verse number uh, uh, 14 now. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Watch this. This is so important, folks. I want you to pay close attention to this. Verse 15. Who... When they were come down, prayed for them, watch, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute. These people have believed. And they believed so much that they were baptized, but yet they didn't receive the Holy Ghost. You probably heard somebody teach you that all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you automatically receive the Spirit. That's not what the Scriptures teach, folks. Again, we're looking at people being saved. And notice what it says here. 
Verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Watch this, verse 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Watch. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, Then lay they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now watch. Hang on just a minute. I'm going to explain this. But let's look at this. Verse 16, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized. Okay, so they were baptized, born of the, the water. But watch, how were they baptized? In the name of the Lord Jesus. There it is again. Just like we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus here in Samaria too. Okay? So when the Jewish church was born, how were they born? Of the water and of the Spirit. When they received the Spirit, they spoke with tongues. There was a visible and audible sign of the, in, of the incoming presence of the Lord. Watch. So they believed and they were baptized, but they had not yet received the Spirit. Verse 17, the apostles had to come down and lay hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm not going to take time to get into all this, but you can actually see in the next verse, a man by the name of Simon who was a sorcerer saw visible evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If he didn't see it, uh, the Bible tells us he was deceptive, he was a sorcerer, he was seeking to deceive people. And so what would stop him from just going laying hands on people, receive the Spirit, receive the Spirit, and claiming he had power to do it, unless there was some type of a visible sign? Yes, Remember, precept must be upon precept, line upon line. Let's find out again what that visible sign is. So we see Samaria received uh, the Spirit. They were baptized. Let's go over to Acts chapter number 10. Here this records the birth of the Gentile church. A man by the name of Cornelius, not a Jewish proselyte, uh, but he did. He, the Bible says he prayed to God always. He gave alms to the people. He was, a, uh, he was a just man, so this is a godly man, yet he was not saved. He was not saved. Just because somebody's a good person doesn't mean they're automatically going to be saved. They've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. Acts chapter 10, Peter is sent to them by the Lord. I'm not going to take time to get into the vision and everything else. He goes down to Cornelius' house and he begins to preach unto them. Verse 34, he preaches Jesus. Uh, now let's skip down to verse number uh, 40, uh, 43. To him give all the prophets witness, talking about Jesus, that through his name, whosoever watches, watch this, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Oh, there it is, Brother Mills. All you got to do is believe and receive remission of sins. Listen. Keep reading. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, there's that word again, fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, that's Jews, by the way, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. They weren't even supposed to really eat with them and be in their house because they considered them heathens, non-believers. But yet, you got to think these Jews are thinking, we're not about to touch these Gentiles unless we're sure God has accepted them. Well, Peter had God speak to him with a voice from heaven. They trusted Peter. That's the only reason they were there. But they're watching Peter like a hawk. He better not touch them Gentiles. But watch, when God poured out the Holy Ghost, they're amazed Verse 46, how did they know that God had given them the gift of the Holy Ghost? Watch this. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now read verse 46. For, or because, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? Alright, stop. How did they know they had received the Holy Ghost, folks? They were born again of the Spirit. How did they know that? Verse 46. For, or because... They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Folks, it doesn't get any clearer than that. 
They heard them speak with tongues. Therefore they said, these people have the Holy Ghost. Then Peter said, can any man forbid water? <laughs> you guys didn't want me to touch them before, but can you forbid it now? You see God's accepted them, because watch this. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we, or just like we did? In Acts 2, we spoke with tongues. In Acts 10, here we are, standing in front of these Gentiles, and they're speaking with tongues, just like we did. They received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Watch this, verse 48. And he politely suggested, and he said, when it's convenient. No, verse 48. And he commanded them. I want you to say that word with me. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. He commanded it to be baptized. How? In the name of the Lord. Okay? That's the birth of the Gentile church. They were born again of the water and spirit. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with tongues. Now, you might say, well, that's just the beginning of these churches. And that's just a special gift he gave to the beginning of the churches. Well, there's a scripture, a very important scripture that proves that fact wrong. Let's go over to Acts, or that proves that statement wrong. Let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse number 1. Here, Paul uh, is the apostle that wrote over half of the New Testament if he wrote the book of Hebrews. And here, uh, he's going into Ephesus to preach. He's going to be talking to disciples of John the Baptist. John's message, read it for yourself, was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, there's one coming after me that's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to, to stoop down and, and, and unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then in John chapter 1, he said, behold the Lamb of God pointing at Jesus. So he believed in Jesus and his disciples believed in Jesus. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples he said unto them, watch this. Now, what's Paul going to ask them? He's going to ask them, watch. Were you born again of the water and of the Spirit? Watch. Verse 2. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He didn't say, uh, have you believed in Jesus? No, he knew they believed in Jesus because he knew what John preached. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You don't receive the Holy Ghost at the point of belief, folks. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Boy, it doesn't get much clearer, does it? Were you born again of the Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We haven't heard about this Holy Ghost. They were uh, Now, by the way, many years have passed since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the day of Pentecost. There's years in between these passages. I know only a few pages separate it, but in our, in our minds we're thinking it all happened back to back to back. No, there's years that happened in between these passages of Scripture. So we see God still pouring out the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just for the disciples and it wasn't just for the 120 in the upper room. He says, uh, so they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. Verse 3, and he said, to them, unto what then were you baptized? Notice that. His two questions. Were you born again of the Spirit and were you born again of the water? And they said unto John's baptism. You might have said, oh, that's good enough. John baptized Jesus after all. That's not what he said. Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Oh, wait, they're believers. They're saved. No. Nope. Baptism's not good enough. He says, how were you baptized? So watch this, verse 5. When they heard this, watch. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
Again, if it's just some kind of a spiritual gift, why did they all receive it? Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, you can study it for yourself. They were all speaking in tongues. His house was filled. Go read it for yourself. Study it. All of them got it. Here again, so we read in Acts chapter 2, 120 received it. All 120 received it. And Peter said, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for all those that are far off. And so uh, Acts 10, they all got it. Acts 2, they all got it. Acts 19, watch this, verse 7, and all the men were about 12. All 12 received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. Don't tell me it's a spiritual gift. Okay? Now, I'm not going to take time to read it, but you can read the same thing happened with, with, with Paul when he was converted in Acts chapter 9. Go read it for yourself. Bible says that uh, he, he, uh, uh, Ananias was sent to him to pray for him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. And then it says he received his sight, forthwith and arose and was baptized. You want to say, well, how was he baptized? He tells, he tells his testimony in the book of Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Let's find out how he was baptized. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He was baptized in the name of the Lord, which is Jesus. Okay, might say, all right, all that's in the book of Acts. Show me some in the, uh, the epistles. Okay, I will quickly. And we'll close with this. Act, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter number 6, verse number 3 and 4. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so we see there very clearly, that uh, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Look at that. Baptized into Jesus Christ. Verse 3 of Romans 6. Alright, Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Listen, folks. I'm going to say this as clear and succinctly as I possibly can. And again, I'm not trying to shove it down your throat. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you are none of his. Look at this. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, we've already proven that the Spirit is the Holy Ghost. He is none of His. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number uh, 9 through 11. We'll read it very quickly, and I'm going to have to close here because I realize I'm bumping up against time. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were, past tense, some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. That word sanctified means to be set apart by God, to be made holy. But ye are justified. That means to be put on trial and found innocent. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you baptized in what name? Jesus' name. And by the Spirit of our God. There it is. Now folks, I want you to read in your own time. Go and read Colossians chapter number 2. And uh, uh, go, go read that for yourself. Uh, and find out in Colossians 2 uh, verses 9 through 11. Read that in your own time. There's a lot of other scriptures. Oh my goodness, there's so many scriptures I could give you. Uh, you could read uh, uh, Colossians, I believe it's 3.17. There's a lot of scriptures, Acts 4.12, that talk about the name of Jesus. And whatever we do in word or deed, that's Colossians 3.17, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So one other thing I want to address before I close here, and I'm going to have to do this very, very quickly. Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19, because a lot of people like to bring this Scripture up. Jesus speaking. Now, let's back up to verse 16, find out who He's speaking to first. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All 
all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, go you therefore. Therefore means because of this. So, what he just said, because of what he just said, because I have all power, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach all nations, look it up, means to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them. So when you make disciples of all nations, you are to baptize them in the name, singular, not names, name, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now let me stop here long enough to say, what is the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost? It's clearly only one name because it's singular. He didn't say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Look folks, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a husband, but that's not my name. What is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Alright? You're going to admit, let me just ask you the question, what's the name of the Son? Does the Son have a name? Yeah. The name of the Son is Jesus. Let's go back and read it real quick. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. This will be, uh, we'll have to close with this, answering this question. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Alright, let's skip down to verse number 21. And he's speaking to Joseph here. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. The Son had a name, folks. The name Jesus means Jehovah, which is the name of the Old Testament God, has become salvation. Read it for yourself. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In John chapter 14, verse number 9, when Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it's sufficient for us, Jesus said, have I, been, have I been so long time with you, Philip? And yes, hast thou not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, of First uh, Timothy chapter, uh, excuse me, uh, yes, First Timothy chapter three, verse number sixteen. For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh; Jesus was revealed uh, to us. And when you see Him, you've seen the Father, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He was God with us. Read that, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, And behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. So notice that Jesus is God with us. So say, prove to me that the name of the Father is also Jesus. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. Remember, we've already read all these passages where they were baptized in Jesus' name. Go to the book of John chapter 5 and verse number 43. John chapter 5 and verse 43. Then we're going to read John chapter 14, verse 26. John 5 and 43. And let's read that here quickly. This is what it says. I am come, Jesus speaking. Read it. Red letter edition is red letters. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. He came in his Father's name. The name Jesus means Jehovah has become salvation. He said, I'm in my Father's name. So the name of the Father is Jesus. Let's flip over to the book of John chapter 14, verse number 26. John 14, 26. This is what it says, Jesus speaking again. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Folks, it can't get any clearer than that. The name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. I want to ask you a question. What hinders you from being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost? But of course, you must first repent of your sins. Some people, it's repenting of pride and stubbornness over refusing to see the truth. Repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is being born again of the water and the Spirit. That's who will be saved. That's who will be saved and continue in that truth. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless.